Hi guys, I'm Wayne from CMOHU Podcast and today I'm really honoured and pleased because I have John Dykes uh, who is one of my most admired uh, people uh, in the world. His good friend, um, Andrew Roper, who is based in Australia, is uh, coming on to our podcast to talk about Wine to the Stars and also his, uh, some of the causes uh, that he's affronting, especially for the Australia bushfires and also some of the uh, recent development in terms of uh, building newer forms of marketing platforms that CMOs, uh, you'll be eager to check it out. So uh, without further ado, how are you, Andrew? I'm very well, Wayne. Thank you for making it all the way to Australia, my friend. Yeah. Yes, and uh, we have to uh, say give major props to John Dykes because without his introduction, uh, we wouldn't be able to even get to know each other. Well, actually, I'll go one step further than that. I've become friends um, a few years back with, um, with Chris Reed. Yeah, oh, yes, so Chris. through Chris, it was uh, meeting John, um, yeah. and uh, there was an introduction through LinkedIn, of course, that that we um, we became friends, so that was good. Yeah. So uh, shout out to Chris, yeah. shout out to John, Very much and so. uh, we have put that to bed. And yes. uh, let's uh, move on and uh, yeah. talk about the uh, elephant in the room, and that has to be wine to the stars. Because I'm really intrigued, uh, and most of our listeners are as well when they look at your LinkedIn uh, that uh, you're actually providing, you know not just supplying wine, you're providing marketing platform that's unique because uh, uh, you term uh, or you maybe uh, even dress uh, your company as a fine wine and spirit communicator. And as we know in this world, which is full of noise and full of information, you know, uh, that is blasting at you every second, every minute, you, you call your company and your business as a fine wine and spirit communicator. Maybe expand a little bit more on that. Why do you call yourselves that? Right. Um, well, it comes, from a, it comes from a background of being in, in the fine wine and spirit industry. Um, growing up in that world in the UK, my father was a wine auctioneer and um, created quite a, quite a tremendous business in the UK. And um, yeah, basically he had a focus on, uh, I saw this growing up, he had a focus on providing the best um, at all costs. He, even if it had cost him money to do things, um, he would make sure that his customer was always given the best. Um, no reason for complaint. Um, and uh, so he built his reputation, which, which I call it a reputation of gold. Um, and then um, that, was, that was pre-digital communication, you know, there were faxes just coming out then, uh, evolving out of telex machines. Um, so there were no mobile phones in those days, no internet as such, and you know, so it was pretty basic communication. Um, so it was more hand-to-hand or face-to-face, which, um, which I'm a firm believer of, in, and that's where, in answer to your question, a communicator to me is someone that you can look at straight in the face and believe what they're saying. Um, so what I do with wines and spirits um, is introduced to people these fine products and uh, yeah make sure that they understand the story behind them and what they do and uh, and then they can go away and enjoy it properly that's yeah. amazing and mm. we know that you have so many elite clients right oh. uh, not just in australia no. but all around the world in yeah. fact uh, one of the things that really excites mm. me was uh, mm. when i when i uh, was chatting with you online on linkedin mm. yeah. and you told me that the uh, tour is coming to australia yeah. And I should come check it out and also understand, you know, a little bit of what you guys do backstage. Mm-hmm. 
Like uh, you take care of Maynard James Keenan, right? Yeah. The vocalist yeah. of Tool. Yeah. So tell us a bit more about the things like that. You know, what happens backstage? Well, um, with Maynard, it was a, a classic situation. I, um, I was, um, I was asked by the promoter at the time uh, to. Um, they called me up and said, you know, Maynard enjoying wine, and um, so this is this is would be about uh, 15 to 15, 16 years ago. And he came out to Australia then on a tour, world tour. Probably 1996. Yeah, it could have been around then. Yeah. Um, and um, what I did, I bought uh, just typical of what I do. You've 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 got one shot with these celebrities. You've got one shot only. You either impress or you you melt into the background of the myriad of other people that are always looking for their attention. Yeah. Um, so I've always believed in bringing the best on the first meeting. So I bought Australia's Best Wines backstage at Rod Laver Arena and we had uh, of course the Penfolds Grange and the Henschke Hill of Graces and the you know the best of what we could we could muster here in Australia which are all fine wines and um, and he was absolutely gobsmacked with the with the Penfolds Grange he was um, absolutely fell in love with it and um, I told him the story about the history of it and where it was from and South Australia and Max Schubert and the, the whole thing that it was, um, you know, it was, it's quite an amazing story, the history of Penfolds Grange, Hermitage. Um, so uh, he, was, he was enthralled with that and, um, and then since, since then he's been a, a massive Penfolds buyer and, and buying the Granges at, at their fine wine auctions and things like that and using me for doing this stuff. And then he's now gone into, of course, um, years later, he went into his own wine company and, 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 you know, the rest is history there. He's got his own Caducas Cellars, which um, is based in Arizona. And uh, quite, a, quite a good story out of that, which I haven't got time to tell you much about. Yeah. Have you been to Caducas? Yes, uh, yes. So how yes. was the experience and uh, did he personally give you a tour? Yeah, yeah. Well, he... Um, he sent me, it was funny, he sent me directions of how to get there from Australia. And, um, you know, even down to the down to the extent where when you get off the, when you get out of the airport at Phoenix or wherever it was, um, you drive for 200 miles here and then you, you, you come up against the biggest, the biggest cactus tree you can see and then you turn left there and you head for this little town called Leroy and, uh, and yeah, it's quite, quite, quite funny actually. So, uh, yeah. He's so meticulous, especially you know his uh, song craft, his, uh, yeah. the way he yeah. makes his music, and it applies to his business as well. Which That's is, right. uh, I think right. uh, probably you are one of the inspirations that mm. maybe uh, triggered him uh, to start a business in yeah. this. Yeah. And uh, did he ever, you know, tell you that uh, you're one of the most important person uh, yeah. that uh, helped him to get started, or yeah. or actually inspire him to go into this business? Correct. Um, yeah, and much to my, I suppose. A little bit of annoyance, um, uh, whether it's a mistake or whether it was not. Um, I'm, I'm looking at it a lot more relaxed nowadays. But um, I introduced him to Peter Gago, who's the the chief winemaker for Penfolds, and uh, that was the worst thing I ever did because, you know, I'm, I, I became second. You know, it was like uh, he was dealing with Penfolds direct, and now they're best friends. You know, so. Uh, yeah, so I, I kind of lost out a bit there, but that's that's all right. He, he's forgiven me, I think. Or I've forgiven him, I should say. Yeah. So he kind of owes you a favour, yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I'll, I'll still say that. Yeah, I'll still <laughs> say that. 
But like, there's a saying that uh, if you help others, good things will happen well, to you. Well, that's right. And I, and it and it, it went from there. I mean, Maynard was one of the one of the main ones that I dealt with um, early days of what I'm doing, and then um, that developed. It opened into um, Paul Stanley of Kiss, which I'm good friends with. Um, we've gone ahead. We've we've been plotting and planning a, a wine release, a, a private one between he and I, um, and that's still in the works. Um, but we did a um, we did a charity wine, um, which was quite successful. And we donated that to the Red Cross uh, here in Australia uh, for their disaster relief, and that raised $170,000 um, just in an auction. Uh, Paul did the artwork for the label, and um, and this is not this this bushfire season. It was one in 2009, which we had, which was a bad one as well. Yeah. Um, so that that went really well, and um, and then it's opened up other doors to uh, bands like Snow Patrol, um, which I do a lot of work with. Um, uh, lots of bands that come to me now with with wine, you know, wine as as an idea of merchandising or marketing or charity. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, and that's uh, the uh, leads us to the next question because we know that you've been so active in terms mm -hmm. of uh, fighting for you know the right causes, and of course uh, climate change has uh, mm. such a big impact on Australia in Definitely. recent months. Definitely. Has. So uh, I'm amazed and also uh, really uh, you're one of my most admired person because mm -hmm. I when news came out about bushfires, you did a benefit, and mm -hmm. uh, within weeks you're able to assemble uh, you know a huge community of uh, not just uh, entrepreneurs but also yeah. musicians yeah. and you recorded a single that's right so that's right. i'm admiring you from distance about the kind of efforts yeah. that you put in not just in terms of you know making money from yeah. business but yeah. for the causes yeah. like this so that's tell right. us more about uh, these uh, kinds of uh, activities yeah. yeah yeah well that's that's important to what i what my makeup is i'm i'm um i'm very empathetic to what's happening around us in the world and and uh, climate change is a thing that's happening and we can't deny it um, even though there are deniers out there, they're, they're, uh, I think um, they're getting less and less now that they're seeing these dramatic disasters happening around the world. But uh, that aside, um, I thought about, I woke up one morning, I thought, well, how do I get um, all these friends that I'm making over the years, how to actually um, muster them together to, um, to do something other than donate money, because everyone's doing that. How about creating a song, uh, a, an original song, that uh, that we could use to raise money through that format? Um, and uh, yeah, Wildfire was was the song, and um, it's done very well. We've, we're still, it's still new, but it's it's now is doing quite well. And I I, I managed to get um, some international artists involved, and um, and also um, a domestic. Australian artist as well, which was fantastic. It's still on the charts, right? Yeah, yeah, still is. So That's an awesome thing. I know, I know. And of course, uh, we also know that uh, there was Firefight Australia, where your company was also involved. Uh, yes. Tell us your role in that uh, uh, beautiful uh, campaign, or should we say uh, it's not just a festival, not just a charity uh, event. Mm -hmm. It's more like a huge uh, you know, reason for people in Australia to come out and show support, right? Yeah, yeah well, Firefight was, um, was something that was um, thought up by a promoter, uh, um, Paul Dainty and um, and TEG, and they uh, they they responded like like good people should respond in a in a crisis, you know, and raise as much as they can. I mean, it's it's affected a lot of people, and um, even though we've had 
we've had big rains just recently and the fires are out. Um, the after effects of those bushfires are huge. I mean, it's ruined so many people's homes and livelihoods and um, it's going to go on for, you know, the help is, is needed a lot longer than just now, you know. So, uh, but yeah, using music and wine is what I do. I, I love both. Um, and I've been, I've been fortunate enough to, to merge both loves or both passions together um, in what I do. And I've just, I just believe in it, you know, a million percent. I just say, well, wine and music go hand in hand, you know, and, and backstage, um, I show the bands, the touring bands particularly, um, that, are, that love wine. Um, I show them as I tour around Australia, I do a backstage, I call it the backstage cellar door, which they love. Um, and it's basically exposing Australian boutique wines as they tour around Australia. Uh, Australia's one of the few countries in the world that you can actually do that. So if they fly into Perth in Western Australia to start their tour, Western Australia has a great wine industry, uh, Margaret River and Swan Valley and Pemberton and Mount Barker. And then they might go to Adelaide on the next stop on their tour. And then of course Adelaide is full of wine. It's Barossa Valley and McLaren Vale and Adelaide Hills and Coonawarra. So what I do then is bring backstage to these artists a, a virtual traveling feast of wine as they tour around Australia. So they get to actually sample Australia um, backstage. Um, not just uh, through a bottle shop or whatever else when the, on a day off. You know. So yeah. this is more purposeful and of course uh, definitely more meaningful, especially yeah. if you're a wine lover. Mm -hmm. And someone like uh, Maynard James Kinnan from Tour yep. Yep. obviously has uh, probably, you know, have a lot of say in deciding uh, mm -hmm. how the itinerary will look like in Australia. Mm -hmm. yeah. Can we say that, you know, like the current tour uh, for Fear Inoculum, mm -hmm. Uh, all those cities and the dates where you know they're touring around Australia, mm. it's also you know a chance for him to visit those amazing places and allow him to have a taste of the different local produce. Yeah, well, look, he's um, he's very much a, a developed his wine palate to be um, quite refined, and he knows what he wants, he knows what he likes. Um, but um, but other than that, he's yeah, there. Celebrities are quite are quite funny backstage and on, on tour. Sometimes they, they're out and they, they're relaxed and they drink. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're out and they're doing business, you know, and they don't, they don't want alcohol on the tour or whatever. So it's not, always, it's not always alcohol backstage, you know. There's sometimes it's, um, you know, the tour manager might come up to me and say, you know, we're not, we're not drinking this tour, you know, Andrew, so sorry, mate, you know. <laughs> find, find another job, you know. Like, <laughs> so um, yeah, so that that happens, and I'm 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 cool with that. You know? Also, backstage there's sometimes a band, especially an older band. Um, you know, there might be one or two of the artists, one or two of the band members that um, aren't drinking, or they've had problems in the past or whatever. I've got to be very sensitive to what happens backstage. It's not um, it's not a free for all, you know, where everyone can just get get absolutely smashed after the, after the show you know? and a lot of the bands too they, they um, you know they might come off stage and they're tired and they're jet lagged and you know like anyone and they're tired they, they go straight from the stage straight into their vans and straight back to their hotels to their, to their beds you know? so it's not always it's not always a hundred percent on the on the game for me um, but as John Dyke saw firsthand, um, that was good. He, um, 
he saw that what we do, you know, we set up this cellar door at festivals and and all the bands come up and enjoy enjoy that special touch we give every every time. Yeah. And of course, uh, when you have uh, all this, uh, you know, beautiful uh, produce, beautiful wine, mm. and of course your knowledge as well, explaining to them on how to even appreciate wine or yeah. choose the best wine in Australia. Yeah. Uh, you are also not just educating them; you are developing even deeper relationship with all these musicians. Exactly. And uh, exactly. can we say that uh, because of your concept of having this cellar door backstage? Mm. Mm. Uh, allows you to even uh, go beyond just supplying them wine and you become even like a father figure to them Correct. because yeah. I think that uh, you were telling me a story before we started this yeah. recording and yeah. you introduced me to uh, Father yeah. James, yep. one of your best yep. buddies, yep. your friends. Yep. Uh, sometimes he's, he even show up uh, at one of those gigs, right? That's right. Uh, for a That's pastor. Right. So yeah. tell yeah. us a story. Yeah, yeah well, well sometimes there's situations, as I explained before, the um, when a when a big tour happens, like a big celebrity, a big a big band um, with many people on the tour, you know they're bringing their whole production people, their you know their dressing room staff. It's a huge crew, oh, it's right? It's a huge crew, and some of them are up to two hundred people, you know, on, on one tour. Um, they put in a lot of effort, um, but uh, some of these world tours they get pretty long-winded, and some of these people don't always get along together you know at the end of the tour they're like in Australia they're they're dying to get back home you know, they have frictions that's right there are frictions and they yeah. they're not everyone agrees with the, each other you know and they're always living pretty close quarters you know they're they're on the road all the time so they're in coaches from hotel to airport to venues um, and then they're then they're on, on the on the planes for many hours together um, moods happen, mood swings, you know, and, and uh, yeah, so, so what I try and do is, what, what I do backstage is actually quite a, a deviation for them, it's a, it's a, um, it's a distraction from their, from their day-to-day -day grind that they're doing, um, and it's something special that I give them with the wine tasting and it, and it gives them something else to consider. Also. Uh, Father James, I'll I'll use as point to um, to come in if and and just give some care to to these people. How often uh, do you summon him? Ah, uh, look, it's happened. It's only happened a couple of times. It's not right. not not regularly. Not regularly. And like two uh, concert? Yeah, yeah, maybe two. Maybe, <laughs> maybe two. Maybe two. Maybe two. But um, yeah, but but it's it's. Um, I'm not saying that you know it's bad on tour with these people because they do it for passion. They're all musicians and, uh, and backline people and whatever but but it's um, yeah it's good to have that care and and I get, always get a comment from um, from these bands when they leave they go you know what we've been touring for 20 30 years we've never had this in all our years we've never had a backstage cellar door like I do or or, or give them something enjoyable I bring it to them rather than them having to go out and find it you know it's um yeah it makes makes it easy it sounds yeah. like you're going beyond normal service yeah. beyond just supplying yeah. all these uh, wines yeah. you're actually uh, becoming a, a friend as well that's and right. someone that they can turn to uh, when they have inner fights absolutely, absolutely. and uh, yeah. when they need someone uh, you know to uh, maybe to vent i think yeah. uh, i would if yeah. i were a musician and yeah. um, i'm looking at you and father james yeah. 
I'll go to you with my problems. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I say, look, have a drink of this, and your problems will go. Yeah, exactly. Like, and we were, you know, have a have a, yeah. have a big Barossa Shiraz. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, that will take your mind off things. You know, it's like, um, you know, so I'll tell them the story behind the winery, and and that leads to another point that what I do is is not just for the bands either. I mean, it's it's for brands as well. The the small wineries that I deal with, the boutique little producers that don't have the big budgets of the Treasury Wines or the Penfold, you know, those, those type of companies. They're like the underdogs, right? Yeah, they're the underdogs and yeah. they're the tiny producers, the farmers I call them, that, that are out there battling, trying to get their brands and their wines to the mass markets or to be recognised. Um, so I, I've kept myself deliberately over since Wines to the Stars happened in, you know, it's been going for nearly 30 years now. but. Um, I try and keep myself totally independent. Um, I'd, I've, I've been approached by the large wine companies and spirit companies to represent them solely with what I do, but I, I kindly turn them down and say, look, it wouldn't be fair you know, for me to just promote one brand. Um, I don't want to be seen to be bought by a company. Um, so I'll bring uh, whatever wines I'm enjoying at the time uh, I'll research the uh, the band that's coming if I haven't looked after them previously. I'll know what they, they're enjoying, what the main artists are drinking. Um, so I'll tailor make the tasting backstage for them that they you know, that piques their interest and uh, you know. So yeah. your company Wine to the Stars is still privately owned? Yes, yes. And proudly uh, yeah. independent. Independent still yeah, all yeah. the way. Yeah. And I really love the yeah. fact that uh, and now we've also fully uh, realized why it's called a marketing platform. Because yeah. all these uh, underdogs, yeah, you know, all these uh, local farmers. Yep. They finally have a chance to uh, introduce all these uh, magnificent produce uh, to the bigger audience, exactly. to the more important buyers. Of course, musicians yep. are yeah. huge buyers yeah. and target audience for yeah. them. Yeah. So through your platform and your interaction yeah. and also your relationship and your yeah. network and how you actually talk to musicians as well, yeah. they have a vehicle for, for them to uh, be introduced to them. So yeah, exactly. Do you get a lot of requests, uh, even yeah. outside of Australia, yeah. like uh, other uh, you know, vineyards from around the world yeah, who do. ask you for a favour? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. I get, I get daily requests um, you know, from, uh, from fine spirit companies, champagne houses in France. Um, all types of um, you know, tequila companies in Mexico and all, all types of um, spirit and wine, mainly wine, but um, spirit companies are really chasing me at the moment because they've all got, you know, they've all got um, higher priced products, of course, and they want the celebrity rub-off is what they really want. They want, yeah. they want the, the rapper, you know, uh, to, be, to be seen drinking that champagne. And holding their bottle, right? That's right. That's right, and I'm, and it's it's a tricky uh, it's a tricky thing that I do to maximise that opportunity backstage because I don't want to be seen to be this commercial beast backstage trying to always get this the you know the magic photo with with them holding the bottle. Um, so I I always tell the wineries or the the spirit company or the or the craft beer company that. Hey, if it happens, it happens. You know, it's got to be natural. It's got to be real. It's not going to be a forced or a, or a false picture. You know, and and generally, I'll get I'll get um, a picture of their product in their room. You know, with them in in the picture somewhere. And most of the artists don't mind 
you know, once they know me and they understand what I do, they see that as a as an easy thing for them to do to hold up a bottle and say it's good, you know, put the thumbs up, you know. Yeah. So um, yeah, and then you know, and then it's an extra benefit when they do put it on their own social media because that they're the real ones that, that are valuable for the brand because they're the ones that go to that picture goes to many millions of people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I try and angle that, but. I don't do it. I don't force it. You know, it's got to be natural, or it's not going to work. Yeah. I think uh, hearing uh, you talk about this uh, so-called strategy, uh, yeah. a lot of brands or marketers out there, yeah. they would definitely be thinking of using this, you know, as a vehicle or yeah. as an approach. Yeah. The next time when they want to maybe promote a campaign mm -hmm. or maybe a new product or service yeah. or their company, yeah. they will maybe incorporate more wine tasting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe even uh, not just uh, offering uh, all these uh, wine produce uh, at the uh, events. But maybe oh. even like for something that I'm doing, like mm. doing a podcast, we could be filmed, you know, uh, yeah. drinking wine, yeah. Yeah. and maybe uh, you know toasting each other yep. while we talk uh, about uh, you know about tour or about Love music or anything. Yeah. So that's another way for us to really showcase and put a spotlight on all these amazing yeah. local farmers and yeah. wine yards that that's are right. unheard of for the rest that's of right. the world. That's right. So of course. Yeah, bringing marketing, you know, to the next level yep. with uh, your yep. platform and yep. your amazing company, Wine to the Stars. Yep. I also know that uh, you are quite active on social media, especially yep. on LinkedIn. Yep. Recently, I'm really intrigued because uh, you put out a really awesome article mm. uh, where you talk about 2020, mm -hmm. a fiery start to a new decade. Mm. Mm. For the benefit of those, uh, you know, who are not connected to you on LinkedIn and they yep. missed out on your yep. amazing writing, maybe you can summarize for us, yep. you know, what's in that post article, right. what inspired you to write you know that content and uh, publish it on LinkedIn and also yeah. tell us uh, to those listeners uh, yeah. who haven't seen the article uh, help us to summarize it and maybe uh, tell us uh, what it's all about yeah well well really it's um, for Australia it's uh, I live in Australia so it's an Australian perspective um, we've as the world knows we've we we had some of the worst wild bushfires in 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 the world's history um, just this last um, turn of the turn of the year um, so, so really, it's um, it took me it took me a while to to put that um, put that post up because a lot was happening. You know, we were all busy, and I've got property up in where some of the fires were affected and places like that. But so it wasn't until I came back to Melbourne I, I thought, well, look, um, I've got to put a post up about uh, every year. I put a post up uh, welcoming the new year. And normally it's a real positive post, um, you know, encouraging my my followers to good things for the year. Um, but this year was a bit different because of the disaster we've had here in Australia. So um, so henceforth the, the headline was, you know, it was a it was a wildfire of a start of the year. You know, it was huge for us, and it it really affected too in some parts of Australia the wine industry. Um, which now, with smoke taint, it's a big thing with the amount of smoke these fires produced. Um, getting into the vines and getting into the vineyards, um, a lot of wineries are now saying that they're not going to produce this year because um, it's going to taste like an ashtray. You know, the wine, the wine is just so, you know, it absorbs. The, it's a living, uh, a living thing. Of, uh, a vine is so, it's going to absorb the the atmosphere, the local atmosphere. So with all the with all the smoke we had, um, it's it's affected the uh, the vines. So um, so yeah, as I say, it's it's going to be a tough year this year for the wine industry, but it's going to be a really good year because for those that have um, 
uh, stockpiled the previous the previous few years, they're on they're on a good thing because they're great years and you know the wines will get better and better. So uh, yeah. So that's the silver lining, right? Mm. Uh, for those uh, who stockpile mm. and uh, not just aggressively, you know, plan mm. for days like this. Yeah. But uh, they yeah. have that uh, maybe that foresight uh, to do it earlier, so that you know, uh, in times like this, we still have uh, the supply uh, and uh, everybody, you know, need not to be so desperately looking, no. you know, for the next bottle no. of uh, wine and no. then paying an astronomical no. uh, money for yeah. it. Yeah. So it reminds me of what's happening in the rest of all, like Asia with mm -hmm. the coronavirus, yeah, right? Yeah. People are stockpiling on things like toilet paper, exactly. you yeah, know, canned uh, food, canned food, canned yeah. food, instant noodles, yeah. And, yeah. and maybe yeah. even for your industry, this yeah. is these are the kind of impact that climate change can yeah. create. And uh, very much so, very much so. so can you tell us uh, when when yeah. this happened? Uh, is it difficult to take a positive outlook for the next decade? Like yeah. this is how we started 2020, right? Yeah, yeah. What if anticipate uh, mm. you know the impact as well as mm. how you will affect the industry in the long run? Look, I think, uh, and I think I'm not I'm not a winemaker or, or a wine scientist at all. But um, but what I've what I've gathered and what through discussions with friends of mine who are um, climate change has been happening for quite a while and it's um, uh, some of the cool climate regions in Australia are becoming warmer so therefore the the styles of wine are changing that they're growing um, instead of like the Yarra Valley instead of all Pinot Noir and Chardonnay they're now you know sampling uh, or, or trialing different different varietals um, that are that are more responsive to warmer climate um, you know that's just one example but but every region now is changing, and um, it's a good thing. I'm, I'm taking a positive out of this because people in Australia and in Asia are becoming more and more discerning with what they're buying now. They're not just buying the the marketing spiels of companies anymore. It's it's like they want to buy wine that they enjoy. They don't want to buy wine that they're being told to enjoy. You know, and and um, this is why the wineries are now. Um, producing wines with different varietals, you know, and different blends now. They're, they're really, um, yeah, they're really changing their approach. And so I think in answer to, you, in answer to your point, yes, things will change in the ne next decade. Um, the, the big bulk uh, companies will, will, will find it harder, um, even though the price is still cheap for their wine. Um, people are becoming more intelligent with what they're, what they're buying. Yeah. And and then and they're prepared to pay a bit more for it, you know, um, which is good, which is good. Which means that because of all this impact on uh, harvesting, right? Mm. So uh, as uh, we face more like all these natural disasters and climate change impacting the amount mm. of produce and mm. also the quality as well, can we say that the most highest quality wine will cost an arm and a leg mm. in the future? And it's mm. actually something that even the people can look at this uh, as an investment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, wine is wine is generally split up into um, a few different levels, but um, mainly if you boil it down, there are there are those that buy wine for investment, there are those that buy wine to drink and enjoy, um, and there are those in between that buy for investment and enjoyment, you know, which is what I do, but a bit of both sides, you know. Um, but but yeah, I think I think really wine will become more expensive, um, and it will become. Um, more of a luxury item than it has been and I think 
uh, it's a good thing because it will it will um, you know it, it, wine is not like beer which you can make every week you know yes. or, or gin which you can make every every other week you can you can turn out that any time of the year wine you've got one chance every year you've got one vintage every year the vines only produce fruit once a year so you've only got one shot and um, yeah you've got to do your best with what you've got and I think uh, winemakers are becoming more and more um, uh, what's the word um, yeah more, more and more focused on producing better grade wine than what, just for the bulk market which is their main um, intent of going into this business in yeah. the first place to yeah. make sure they keep churning out, generating better quality of wine yeah. Yeah. for the rest of the world to enjoy. Yeah? Exactly. exactly. So we are now at the last uh, one third uh, yep. of the uh, sure. podcast recording and uh, I have 15 minutes left with mm -hmm. you so I think I better speed it up and yep. ask you yep. about uh, your, how did you get started? Why wine? And also, um, mm. was that your first uh, job that you go into related mm. to wine? Well, yeah, it was. I mean, as I said before, I mentioned briefly, my father owned a wine auction business. Um, I followed in his footsteps. Um, he unfortunately passed away five years ago, but he left a really strong legacy with me. And that was, um, you know, quality above quantity in everything you do in life. And I think um, if you do it properly the first time, you, you shouldn't have a problem, you know, um, you know, to clean up after, you know. Um, and, um, and really, yeah, I, I watched my father, the way he operated in business and uh, was honest and straight and told it as it was. He was a straight shooter, um, but he was a great salesman as well. He, he used, to, used to create a, a great story about the wines when he was auctioning, of course. He, 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 had, to, he had to sell the products, you know. Um, so I, I've kind of inherited that from him. Um, so what I do with my wines to the stars, and in everything I do with wine, it's, it's um, you sell the story, you sell the whole bottle as a package rather than just the wine itself or the brand or the label. You know, it's, it's where it's from. It's, um, a wine has a heart, you know, it's got a life. Um, it's got a history. The vines, you know, where they're from, the climate, the region, the people behind it, you know, the families that are behind it. Um, so, so yeah, it's a, it's a real passionate, passionate thing of mine to do. So, so that's where it started. And I, um, when my father's wine auction business was sold, um, I then branched off and and started my own networking with with the celebrities mainly. Um, you know, the Richard Bransons of the world and the um, you know all types of people back in the UK that that used to buy off me. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I've, I've never looked back since. I've just, it's just been a natural progression. I really love how you describe your work, especially uh, when you told us about qual quality over quantity, yeah. right? Yeah. And of course, uh, doing storytelling to make sure yeah. that uh, you not just elevate, you know, uh, the uh, passion about wine, but also in terms of how it's been communicated. Exactly. And uh, inspiring people to get more into it and find out about his background, how it's produced and yeah. things like that. Yeah. So there's a lot of heart work, yeah. blood, sweat and tears that have yeah. gone into it. So it's it all a matter of dressing it up so that that yeah. kind of message gets uh, conveyed across as well and people appreciate more, you know, Absolutely and we better. realize the quality doesn't come by chance. No. It's a lot of hard no, work. A lot of hard work in it. And it's, and it's also about not, you know, some people might look at this and say, oh, you know, I'm promoting alcohol. Um, look, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I am in one way, but, I'm, but 
you don't have to drink a lot to enjoy. You know, you can actually savour, you can have one bottle. I don't drink a lot myself. I mean, I, I'll, what I drink, I've got a good cellar, I must say, but um, I drink, I'll drink for a purpose and I'll, I'll open a bottle and savour it and a bottle might last me a whole two days. You know, I'm not, I'm not drinking it straight away and guzzling it down, you know. Um, so yeah, so I'm not, a, I'm not about promoting, uh, you know, drinking alcohol for say. I'm, all I'm saying is appreciate what you're drinking and, and uh, yeah, you'll enjoy it. That's amazing. Yeah. Who was the first star that you worked with? First star I ever worked with, um, let me see, going right back, rewinding, was David Bowie. Um, you met him? Yeah, yeah, I used to, I, my father used to do a lot of work with David Bowie in the UK uh, back in the 80s. Um, that's when he drank, he, he you know, later life he didn't drink. Um, in fact, a lot of those older artists didn't, they, they stopped drinking, you know, um, the older they got, but, um, or taking other substances or whatever they were doing, you know. Um, they realised, some of them, some of them... It I was the Haiti 70s, right? That's right. Some of them carried on. Some of them realised, hey, I'm not going to live long doing this. You know? um, so, um, so, yeah, that, that was really, um, yeah, that was important. So David Bowie was my real key one. Um, I looked after him here when I moved back to Australia. I looked after him. That was my first tour that I did. Um, was with David Bowie here in Australia on his last world tour here. Um, so that was that, that. I've got fond memories of that because he really did love wine, and he loved good wine. He wasn't. Um, he appreciated it you know, in a big way. He's always a man of really good taste. Oh, and absolutely. It's not just coming out from his music, but yeah. uh, from yeah. uh, how he, uh, you know, has his finger on a pulse of everything. That's right. Including wine. Yeah, of exactly. Course. Yeah. And then I've got, um, you know, I've got. As I said, the Paul Stanleys of the world, um, the Maynard Keenans I've dealt with a lot, um, um, Snow Patrol, Stiff Little Fingers last night, punk you know, band, punk yeah. band, uh, Stranglers, there's another punk band that I, I've dealt with a lot over the years, you know. Um, but, but I'm finding too, a lot of the bands are now, when they're coming back for a tour of Australia, they, they request me on their, on their rider list, you know, they want me there backstage and, and uh, Introducing them to the new, the new vintages that I'm discovering along the way. You know? How does it feel when someone like Bowie or Maynard, mm -hmm. or you know, even like new bands like Snow Patrol, they name drop you or they insist mm. that you are the person you mm. know who can actually uh, take care of this part of the tour? Yeah. How does it make you feel? Uh, really, really good actually. That's that's one of the the real benefits I get out of doing what I do, um, um, and it's. You know, it's altruistic. It's not. It's not like I'm deliberately trying to set myself up for these accolades. You know, but I've got a quick, funny story. Um, there was. Uh, I got. I got a uh, a text from um, one of the members of Snow Patrol uh, after a, after an Australian tour. They were back in LA, um, and um, I'd looked after them on the tour and introduced them to some great wines, but. Uh, one of the band members uh, texted me and said, you wouldn't believe what just happened. We're, we're in a cafe in, in LA and we're sitting in this cafe and we're talking about the wines that you've given us on this tour and we're blown away with the quality and loved it. Next to us, in the, on the table next to us, was another band which we didn't recognise at the time that well, Queens of the Stone Age. 
um, and uh-huh. they they had overheard us talking about you. Um, and this is back in LA, and I'm in Melbourne, Australia, you know. Um, and they said, "What? You've been dealing with the same guy that we've been dealing with, you know, the wine guy back in Australia." You know, it's like, and they and so I probably the most famous Australian. That's right. So it was it was very interesting to find that even though you know, I don't I don't want these accolades or I don't expect these accolades, I think they move on to another thing. Um, it's good to know that these guys are actually talking about what I've done for them and and the wines I've introduced to them, even all those miles away, and I'm not in the room. You know, it's quite it's quite amazing. Yeah. This must make you feel. Um, inspired yeah. when your yeah. name is uh, you know been dropped uh, even uh, in a faraway place like yeah. LA and it's yeah. musicians who are talking about that's you right. and your great recommendation. That's right. That's right. So, uh, so yeah, that's 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 really good. And also, also I get another another really good buzz I get out of this is um, getting a text from uh, you know in the middle of the night or whatever. My wife questions it of course she goes who's texting you at mid- you know, three in the morning you know, like, you know but um, it's like I'll, I'll look at the text and there's a message from someone famous that's asking me advice on a wine that they're about to buy or or what they should do you know there's a band called disturbed yeah um, very much into that and they love the wines I give them on tour and they're always texting me saying you know hey what do we do uh, what what vintages do we get here and you know whatever so so most likely you're the person that they will interact uh, first and foremost yeah. when they even start planning a tour in australia yeah, yeah. that's the kind of impact uh, you yeah. made as a result of your your business and yeah. of course your passion yeah. and your love yeah. for just wine and yep. We're very honoured and really pleased that you're able to tell us all these stories mm-hmm. and come on to our podcast. Can you maybe tell us, uh, maybe uh, in the last five minutes, uh, mm-hmm. what is the best compliment that you've ever received? Um, yeah, the best compliment I've ever received is Paul Stanley saying from to Kiss. me, from KISS, saying that um, through me he's now uh, added Australian wines to his private cellar. Um, and... Um, and then I get uh, other compliments as well, you know, um, like as I mentioned, bands, band members of Queens of the Stone Age, um, even Billy Joel, you know, um, saying, you know, these, thanks to me, I've introduced them to a new, you know, a new world of wine, which they didn't know about before, or they knew of, but they didn't, they didn't appreciate before, you know. Um, so that's, that to me is the big, biggest compliment. So in the eyes of the musician, you are a big thing to them. You know, yeah. you are one of their most admired Australians. So, yeah. do you also have a certain uh, you know music genre that uh, mm-hmm. you appreciate? You are a big fan of, or any particular bands that you know you honestly you know love them because of their music and mm-hmm. not just because they love your wine. I tell you, that's you've triggered a good a good train of thought very quickly. Um, I was never a Kiss fan growing up. I, in fact. I couldn't stand them. I, I was like, you know, was like, <laughs> it was not until I met them and and You're so uh, honest, Paul yeah. and, and and Paul in particular um, that you know, and their manager Doc McGee, who were right into wine, that I've become friends. So it's like through wine, I've I've kind of um, I look beyond I look beyond the music sometimes, you know. But in answer to your question about what is my favourite, um, I love I love rock. I love um, I love a bit of metal. Yeah. Um, I love just uh, a little bit. Yeah, I love Judas Priest. I love cool. Def Leppard. 
Yeah. You know, Def Leppard's a great, I've got some great stories another time we can talk about Def Leppard For episode tours. two, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Kiss, of course, uh, you know, become personal friends, so that's different. Gene Simmons doesn't drink, I must add. So yeah. uh, don't, anyone out there listening, don't he ever tell drink. him. No, he doesn't drink, has never drunk. Although I've got a story, but I've got to wait until he dies before I tell him that one. <laughs> save that story. Sorry, I'll save, save that story, that story yeah, for later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so all these uh, international bands, how about Aussie bands like ACDC, The Living oh, End? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah Living End, Living yeah. End, great. Um, I know the guys from Living End quite quite well. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of good Aussie bands. The the interesting thing for me though is being Australian here. Um, it's, it's more the internationals that I've introduced the wines to. Um, the um, Australian bands are here, so they, they're spoiled with our great wines. Um, they so, grew up with it, right? Yeah, so most of them do know the wines that I present backstage, you know. Um, yeah. Um, but I've, I've, I've also, uh, another very quick um, antidote is that when, when I'm introducing a wine, especially to people that know Australian wine, I'll I'll focus on the vintage, the importance of vintage rather than brand. So if you're looking at a Penfolds wine, which most probably everyone knows in the wine industry, um, don't just look at the brand, look at, look at the vintage and investigate the vintage um, yeah. because that really determines what, how good that wine is going to be. Right? You might have a, a cooler year, you might have a hot year, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, there's a lot of work that needs to go in the background of understanding a good wine. Right. And that's what I that's what I try and do. I try and explain the background to a wine when they're drinking it. Yeah. And of course, you know the, all the uh, producers, uh, mm. all the owners, all the uh, yep. family business, uh, yep. or even the, the, all the generations in the family mm. who mm. produce this great uh, wine. Mm -hmm. um, are there any that uh, currently are on your radar? Or yep. are there any brands or any that we should check out? You know, yeah. even though I'm yeah. not uh, very familiar with wine, mm. but you know, if you recommend it, it has to be good. That's right. Because people may not listen to you. Exactly. So I'm gonna uh, immediately go check out after this episode. If you tell me what yeah. are the top three, yeah. in your opinion, that we should check out, uh, right. especially if you are here in Australia. Right, right now, um, the best wines that I've had recently, uh, one from the Barossa Valley called Atzi's Corner, um, A-T-Z-E, apostrophe S, Atzi's Corner. Uh, they make some great Grenache, especially their old vine Grenache, um, and their Shirazes are fantastic. Shirazes from old vines. Um, that's another story uh, how great wines can come through old vines. Um, in Victoria, you're looking at the Yarra Valley and you're looking at um, a, a winery called Yarra Yearing, um, which the winemaker there has won uh, Winemaker of the Year here in Australia just recently. Um, and she's just turning out some great wines. A little bit expensive. I mean, they're 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 a ritzy wine company, but their their wines are worth every every drop. Um, in um, Western Australia, there's a winery called Cullen, uh, C U W -L, L E N, and they are beautiful wines as well. Vanya Cullen, who 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 is organically minded, all her wines are, are pure organic wines, but they're fantastic wines so they're they're three that i can i can safely say that um go and have a look at yeah. and these are worth you know flying all the way from la new york singapore everyone in the world absolutely 
yeah. this is to die for, right? Yeah, you've got to get these wines. <laughs> yeah, you got to get these wines. And if you get a chance, go and uh, you know take a few days off and go to the regions and uh, rock up at their cellar door and and drop my name, you know, because you'll you'll get looked after like a rock star. This is uh, an amazing hack. I think all the CMOs, CEOs who are listening to this uh, podcast, uh, they will name drop your name after yeah, listening to this fine. episode. Yeah, that's fine. Feel free to do it because one thing, one thing the wineries do that know me, um, they, they know the value that I give their brand and, and I introduce some great people to their wines. So. This is brilliant. So we only have a minute left, so we're going to end this uh, with a speed round. So are you ready? Yep. Try not to overthink your answers, okay? Who are the three people, dead or alive, that you would like to have dinner with? David Bowie, number one. Um, I'd like uh, Rupert Murdoch, of all people. Ooh. Yeah, I know, I know. That might be, uh, you know, whether it's a positive thing or not. Um, and uh, Winston Churchill. Mm. Very good choices. Mm. Why? Uh, Winston Churchill, I've always admired. Um, just his um, his approach to to handling a stressful time in British history and his uh, his attitude to life. Um, uh, Rupert Murdoch because he commands so much power in the media, um, and I'd like to ask him a lot of questions, like honestly, not, pick his brains. Yeah, right? pick his brains. Um, and uh, David Bowie, of course, just because I love David Bowie. I love I loved his music. I love his style of life um, and his attitude of life I, I, yeah I love that leads to the next question favorite Bowie record um, well favorite Bowie record well heroes but um, I think um, yeah further than that I've got um, his favorite song that I've got on repeat in my car sometimes is golden years so, Golden Years by David Bowie would be my number one song. Did you like the last one, Black Star? Yeah, I liked it, and I played that a lot when he died. Yeah, he was, um, that was much, yeah. Let's uh, continue. A brand, a wine brand that you cannot live without? Um, a wine brand I cannot live with. A staple diet in my house is a winery from the Barossa Valley called Rusden. So yeah, R U S D E N, Rusden. It was a. It's a word that's culminated between two guys, Russell and Dennis. So they formed a formed Rusden, and uh, they've got a they've got a Shiraz, which everyone I open a bottle backstage to loves. It's called the Black Guts. So um, Australian slang, as black as guts, mate. Um, that's that's. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the Black Guts Shiraz is is my go-to favourite wine in Australia. Yeah. Sydney, Perth, or Melbourne? Melbourne. Because <laughs> you grew up from here, right? No, no, I grew up in Adelaide. Oh, okay. Yep, but um, Melbourne, Melbourne is is life. Um, I think, uh, and it's reflected too with the artists that come here that look after. They always want a day off in Melbourne um, on tour. They've. Um, it's got a culture about it, it's got the arts, it's got the music, it's got dining, it's got everything. The wineries are close by. Um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a perfect city for me anyway. Yeah. And uh, that's also my answer because uh, I've been all over Australia. I think Melbourne is mm. the place to be yeah, in Australia. It is. Next one, cardio, weights or yoga? 
none of the above. <laughs> How do you work out? Roll out of bed in the morning. <laughs> That's a good answer. Podcast. I or? used to. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I used to. I used to have a dog. Uh, three months ago, <laughs> unfortunately, he died. Golden Retriever. He was my motivator for fitness every morning and every afternoon. So right. I used to walk and walk a lot every morning. He was like your exercise, your trainer, he was. yeah. Big golden retriever called Charlie. Yep. Charlie. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Podcasts or blogs? Which one do you prefer? Podcasts. What else do you have going on that you want our listeners to make sure they will be on the lookout for? Um, yes, we're going to be um, uh, developing. We are developing some wine brands in the future. Uh, with bands, so one called Royal Blood from the UK, a band um, who I introduced our sparkling Shiraz to when they're on tour. Yep. And they, um, if you're a UK-based person listening to this, you'd understand what I'm saying. It's like a sparkling Ribena with with alcohol. So um, tasty, yeah, very tasty. And um, they, in fact, last night we had some with uh, with the stiff little fingers in here in Melbourne. And they they were blown away with it. They were just like, oh wow, this is like Ribena on so steroids. So this is the creation you know? of the band Royal Blood. Yeah, Royal Blood, um, and we're going to call it Royal Blood, the, which is a beautiful name for a, beautiful. for a, for a wine. Yeah. So um, so yeah, be on the lookout for that in the next in the next year or so. Yeah. We do want to direct our community listeners to also find you on LinkedIn, of course. Yeah, LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn. And of course, uh, is that the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, I think so. I'm using that as a medium, uh, a media at the moment, simply because um, I haven't had time to sit and develop my Instagram or my Facebooks or my any other things. I'm pretty lazy when it comes to that, um, but I'm taking that a bit more seriously now. And um, yeah. But LinkedIn is the best way you can find me, and you can see my whole story on there as well. This is brilliant, and uh, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. All That's these amazing right. stories about musicians as well that thank we you. all loved. Yeah. So uh, I definitely enjoy talking to you, and we're going to finish this episode right here. So thank you so much again for uh, you know coming onto our show. Thank you very much, Wayne, and to all your listeners. Make sure you listen. Fantastic. Goodbye. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Cheers.